Welcome to PwC's Next in Health podcast. I'm Ben Isger, leader of PwC's Health Research Institute. And today I have Trina Tadaros with me. She's the regulatory central leader for HRI. Welcome, Trina. Hi, great to be here, Ben. Well, great to have you back. And I think today we wanted to cover the economic situation and the interplay between economics and the pandemic. And I think we'll dig a little bit into healthcare jobs, joblessness, and then we'll end with some provider implications, what this means for hospitals and health systems. But why don't we start with the healthcare job situation? And um, if we go back in history, most of the time, healthcare is adding jobs. And in fact, it tends to be a a very large driver of the U.S. economy with almost 18% of the GDP being spent on healthcare. But we've seen a little bit of a different world, of course, during the pandemic, and especially in the spring when there was a lot of shedding of jobs. But um, some may be coming back as we moved later into the summer. So Trina, if you don't mind, could you dig into some of those healthcare job numbers for us and tell us what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Ben, you're right. The healthcare industry in the U.S. has traditionally added jobs month by month by month. And to give you a sense of how much, in the 12 months before the spring lockdown, healthcare in the U.S. added about 374,000 jobs, according to federal job numbers. But then the lockdowns hit state by state. We remember that it happened as a patchwork, so it didn't happen all at once. But nevertheless, in March, the healthcare industry actually shed a net of about 42,000 jobs, healthcare did. So that would be ambulatory healthcare services, hospitals, nursing, and residential care facilities. And this is all federal job numbers. Then in April, the numbers got even worse. And so we saw healthcare lose a net of about 1.4 million jobs in one month. And most of those were in ambulatory services, especially dentist offices and physician offices. And if you remember, those are the ones that that shut down and we saw sort of a mass shedding of jobs in those areas. And since then, as the country opened up, we have seen those offices and those providers add jobs back slowly. And so here we are. We're in September, but we just got August job numbers, and we see an addition of about 75,000 jobs in August total, especially in ambulatory healthcare services. But I want to point out a few areas where job growth has not been happening. In particular, medical and diagnostic laboratories have seen really anemic job growth. And that's a little concerning because we are so reliant on testing and fast testing in this country to sort of keep track of the pandemic. And so the difficulty in hiring for labs is a little concerning. And the other piece of it is that nursing and residential care facilities continue to shed jobs. In August, these facilities lost more than 13,000 jobs, almost 14,000 jobs. And these are areas where we really want them to be staffed up because these are where our most at-risk and vulnerable Americans live. So if we are continually shedding jobs in these areas, that also is a little bit concerning as we move into the fall. 
Well, I think that's exactly what we're hearing from health leaders as well, that many of their inpatients, so people coming in and, and having procedures or staying in the hospital, a lot of that volume comes back, but there's still a lot of people that are not returning to places like the emergency room and, and some of the outpatient settings. So it certainly seems to align with what you're seeing with the job numbers there. Let's turn our attention now moving outside of what's happening in the health industry itself when it comes to employment. And let's turn our attention to what's happening across the United States in terms of unemployment. And I think this is a, a really interesting area for our listeners to think about because there is such an incredible interplay in the United States between employment and access to healthcare because so many Americans get their health insurance through their employer. So it's kind of a double whammy of not just losing income if you're unemployed, but also potentially losing your insurance. So with that in mind, what are we seeing in terms of overall unemployment numbers and, and what do you think that's going to mean? Yeah, yeah. So so it's true. We've had just a continual surge in Americans filing initial claims for unemployment benefits since the lockdowns. There was that enormous surge back in the spring. In one week, there were over 6 million people filing initial claims in one week. And that has come down week by week, but people are still filing initial claims in numbers that we haven't seen in years and years and years. For the week ending September 5th, 1.7 million Americans filed initial claims for unemployment benefits. And that is both initial claims to the states and the pandemic unemployment assistance program. So we have continually Americans who are, are losing their jobs. Some of these are jobs that were furloughed in the spring, and now those furloughs have been made permanent. And some of them are just businesses shutting their doors and, and everyone loses their jobs. And that has had an impact on employer-sponsored insurance, of course, and also has big implications for Medicaid programs and the ACA individual plans. And it also has big implications for providers as they find maybe more uninsured walking through their doors or more people with Medicaid coverage or more people with ACA plans and high deductibles that they may not be able to afford due to due to their financial distress. Well, let's now let's let's take that even maybe into more of a micro level and let's go to your hometown, Chicago, where there was some data out around what this unemployment and what really the economic downturn has meant to individuals in terms of their daily lives. And this becomes really important when we think about how much of the uh, effect on our health is actually things in our environment, it's our economic condition. So there's this incredible interplay there. But take us to Chicago. What do we see happening there to, to individuals because of the downturn? Yeah, so this is some uh, data that was put out by NPR, and they did a poll of Americans in different cities. And in Chicago, they asked consumers whether their household was having serious financial problems during the pandemic. And in Chicago, half of the respondents said that their household was having serious financial problems, which is a just a, a shocking or astonishing number of people reporting this. 35% said that they had used up all or most of their savings, and 15% said that they were having serious problems affording medical care. And you can go on down the line, there was about 
one in four saying they were having problems paying mortgage or rent, about one in four saying they were having problems paying for utilities, and 17% saying they had uh, serious problems affording food. So what we see here is a portrait of an enormous number of people having problems, just financing the basics of life and experiencing extreme financial distress along with the stress of the pandemic that everybody is experiencing. And so I think this has big implications for health overall, but also for just seeking and and being able to afford care and for the institutions that are providing that care, that they may see a surge of folks who are going to have a hard time paying for any cost sharing associated with the care that they are given. Well, if we move to to my home state of Texas, and now let's put our our focus on Houston, Texas, and there's some really interesting numbers coming out of there. And and one caveat I would say is one thing about Texas is the uninsured rate is extremely high. So in in many areas, it can be 25% or more of the population is uninsured. That can be a really challenging dynamic to have the uninsured rate really hit head to head with what's happening with the pandemic and the economy. Take us to Houston. What type of numbers are we seeing out of Houston? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and because Texas did not expand Medicaid under the ACA, they have this, this gap and this high in insurance rate as part of that. And in Houston, when NPR asked Houstonians about their financial issues, People who live in Houston who reported wage or job losses. So these are the folks that we were just talking about who are filing initial claims for unemployment and and have lost their jobs. That group had enormous levels of serious financial problems. 81% of Houston residents who said that they had wage or job losses said that they also were experiencing serious financial problems. 54% said that they had used up all or most of their savings. 50% said they were having problems paying for utilities and mortgage and rent. Almost half said they were having problems affording food and making car payments. And 42% of them said that they were having serious problems affording medical care. And if you think about the mix of that with the pandemic is really concerning. Folks who have trouble paying for the very basics of life also having problem paying for medical care, which we argue is a basic of life as well. And we see this maybe being reflected in the weak volumes going to the emergency room. One of the big questions has been, why aren't the emergency rooms uh, sort of rebounding the way other parts of the healthcare system have? And one answer could be that so many Americans are having trouble paying for things that they are holding back on heading to the ER for fear that they will be hit with a bill that they can't afford. And so I think this is a piece of the puzzle that hasn't really been solved yet, but we do see enormous amounts of, of financial distress in places as, you know, as disparate as Chicago and Houston, you know, opposite ends of the country and um, the same picture sort of developing in both. You know, one of the themes that we've been talking about during the length of this podcast series is around the disparities in terms of the pandemic. And it's not affecting groups the same way or equally. There's there's a lot of disparities. I think Houston, the numbers show it is no difference. Could you walk us through what these economic conditions mean for people of different races and ethnicities? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the stories of this pandemic that has emerged is that Black and Latinx Americans have been hit disproportionately by the virus and by the financial calamity that has happened. And so in this NPR poll, when they asked Houston residents whether they were experiencing serious financial problems overall, all the respondents, 63% said they were 
reporting. Uh, they were having serious financial problems during the pandemic. But if you look at it by race and ethnicity, the numbers change dramatically. If you look at it by race and ethnicity, 34% of white Houston residents said that they were experiencing serious financial problems during the pandemic. 81% of Black residents of Houston said the same. And 77% of Latinx residents of Houston said the same. And so you have 34% of white residents versus 81% and 77% Black and Latinx residents. And that is a sharp, sharp difference. Almost all Black residents of Houston that they asked said that they were experiencing this financial distress. And that is really mirrored by the experience of the pandemic overall as well. Well, let's let's end today with maybe with a few thoughts about what does this mean for providers? So hospital and health system leaders, physician leaders, when we think about all of this data that's coming in about the economic condition, employment, even healthcare employment, any takeaways for the provider community or the healthcare community? Well, I think one of the things that we'll see is a slow growth in Medicaid roles. We will see that grow slowly, perhaps more slowly than this surge in unemployed Americans, because a lot of folks, this is sort of last on their list signing up for Medicaid. And it happens when they perhaps go to a hospital and the social worker approaches them and says, hey, we should sign you up for Medicaid. Let's get this done. And so this might happen more slowly. And so for providers, that is something that they might have to sort of double down on is paying attention to or, or expecting a surge in folks who will be signing up for Medicaid. Likewise, I think that if we see a surge in ACA plan signups, we might see Again, folks who might have higher deductibles, it kind of depends on where they land in terms of subsidized cost sharing. That's part of the ACA. But we also will see that, and, and, and I think providers will have to watch for, or they will expect to see kind of a growth in ACA plan coverage coming through their doors. And then they will also see, a, in, it depends state by state, community by community, but we will see or expect to see a growth in the uninsured walking through the doors as well, because we do have evidence of the uninsured rate going up. And, and that is not surprising given the growth in folks losing their coverage. And so I think that also will be part of the financial picture for providers. Well, a lot to think about. And it, it definitely brings up the very, very tight connections between the pandemic and the economy and disparities. And thank you for bringing all of that data to us and, and pulling it all together today. Sure. Thank you. Well, that's our Nexon Health podcast. For more insights on some of the information we provided today, you can find us on pwc.com forward slash HRI. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.